Good morning. My name is Chris. I am one of the pastors here. So thankful we get to gather here today, and also for those online, we welcome you as well. As has been mentioned, today is Palm Sunday. If you didn't pick that up from all the songs named Hosanna, from the kids waving their palm leaves, it is Palm Sunday. This Sunday is where we remember Jesus riding in to Jerusalem in a week that would forever change history and forever change eternity. When we look at this week, and the people looked at this week, there's all sorts of different perspectives. There's the perspective of the people who are standing there welcoming Jesus, saying, save us from this oppression, save us from this rule, do something different here, now. And Jesus riding in saying, all right, something's going to happen here, but it's also going to affect eternity. It's going to be life-changing. And so this week that we walk into here today is a week where we look at life, and then we look at death, and then we have life again. And it's an important week to walk through, and I want to encourage you this week is for you to pace yourself as you walk through this, to, to read the narrative in Scripture of Jesus's path towards the cross and then ultimately to resurrection. I also want to invite you this week to our Good Friday service, which is happening on Friday, obviously, at 6 o'clock, uh, right here in the sanctuary it's going to be a service of remembrance, and also there's going to be some tangible interaction um, and activity uh, that we get to share in together as a, a remembrance. And then also, I want to invite you next Sunday to come. We're having three services, 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30. And guess which one is going to be the most popular one? 10 o'clock, where you're sitting right now. And there's some empty seats around, but we're going to need as many seats as possible. So if you can come to 11.30 or 8.30, uh, and you're currently hearing these words, which is you, uh, please come to 8.30 or 11.30. And uh, if that's possible, if not, that's completely understandable. We're also going to be individuals. I should really know this firm number, but I think there's 11, 12, 13 people, something like that, will, that will be baptized um, and, uh, and there'll be people in each service that will be uh, baptized. So every service will get to experience a live baptism, plus hear the testimonies. Life change that uh, the Lord is doing in our presence. So I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 21 here this morning. It'll be also be on the screen. I want to read one of the narratives <clears throat> of Jesus coming into Jerusalem this Palm Sunday. So Matthew chapter 21, we're going to start in verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
The crowds were wondering, who is this Jesus? And this week we have that opportunity of what is this Easter thing all about? What is this Good Friday thing all about? Who is this Jesus? And we have an opportunity as followers, those who know Jesus, to share that. What a great opportunity to invite, to share in this story. But as you walk through this week too, as you read these narratives, as you hear these narratives, I want to encourage you, in light of what we've been walking through the last number of weeks with prayer, that you notice how often prayer is infused in Holy Week, in Passion Week. How often that Jesus takes time to pray. How often this unfolds. Flip over a couple pages to the right if you have your Bible or uh, switch over to Matthew chapter 26. One of these prayers is recorded in Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. And as I read this, I want you to hear what Jesus was going through, what Jesus was processing, and how Jesus was praying. Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here, becomes my, here, come, here comes my betrayer. You see Jesus, who is sorrowful, who has a heavy heart, who's praying, God, I don't want to go through this. I know the cross is before me. I don't want to go through this. But yet he surrenders in prayer, not my will, but your will be done. And there's an example here from Jesus is that when you're facing hardship, when you're facing trial, that it's okay to be sorrowful. It's okay to be downcast. It's okay to, to say, God, I don't, I don't want this. But there's always this moment of surrender of, God, your will over mine. You know what is better than I do. Whatever I'm facing, whatever this hardship, this trial is, is God, you know your will be done. And so we pray that this week, as we walk through this week and we move towards Easter ultimately, is your will be done. And as we've walked through this series prayer, to pray, we've looked at the Lord's prayer. And really it is a prayer of surrender. If you recall, we've taken time to break down the parts. Is as we begin, is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That we have access to the Father. His kingdom come, his will be done. And we pause and we say, it's all about your kingdom, not mine, not any other kingdom. And about our daily bread. God, you're the one who provides. About forgiveness. We have been forgiven. We have the opportunity to receive that forgiveness. And it comes to the question of like, well, if we're going to take Jesus' forgiveness, we have to forgive as well. 
And that's a really hard thing. And then also this prayer for deliverance. Deliver us from evil, from the evil one, from temptation. Deliver us. And so there's these moments of, of surrender that we have. And so I want to encourage you again this week, is as you pray this, that you take time to ponder these elements. Now, but what do we do when this prayer ends? What happens after we say amen? Do we just go on with life and that's our segmented spot of I prayed the Lord's Prayer, I, I prayed, or do we carry it forward? And so today what we're going to do is uh, we have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to have a conversation uh, with Pastor Gerton. Pastor Gerton and Pam founded this church in 1984. And they faithfully served this church, and they're still part of the church. Uh, but Pastor led this church for 33 years. And I learned more about prayer, and I still learn even this morning as we had a conversation in first, first service, more about prayer than any other person or any other book that I've ever read. And it's not just by his words, but it's by his action. I remember many times John would come in here trying to do something and pastor would be in here praying or I would go to his office and knock on the door, like get ready to knock on the door and I look in and I'm like, oh, he's praying again, seriously. He modeled it. He still models it. And it's not perfect and it's not easy and it's not seamless for him and you're gonna hear that. But my heart today is to have this conversation so we can hear the growth and hear an example, and hear maybe something that you can say, yeah, I can apply this. So whether you feel like prayer is talking to that wall, and that's like what prayer is like for you, or whether it is vibrant and alive, there's something here for you today. And uh, so I just ask that you would open yourself up uh, to, the, to the words and the conversation that takes place. So would you welcome Pastor Gerton as he uh, comes forward to share with us this morning? You'll need that. Good morning again. Good to see you. So you just spent a couple weeks away. Yep. The slight tan. Is, is that one on? So you spent the last couple weeks away, a little bit of a tan here. So, yeah. Yep. And how'd that time go for you? for us, but uh, still was a time to be away and in a place that has sunshine. So if you can appreciate that. so Yes, and, and through that time, uh, through the early accident, and prayer was definitely, I'm sure, a part of your time. Oh, yes. <laughs> in a number of different ways. Uh, but as we get going here today, um, I want to start with a, a big picture question for you is, we can talk about prayer, but how, how do you define prayer? What is prayer to you? Well, I would say that that definition has changed over the years. For me today, it's presence. It's being in the presence of God with privilege and intimacy because it's a privilege to be able to come into the Supreme Being's presence and it ought to also be a very intimate time for us in prayer. 
And, and uh, so often people look at prayer like you say, it's going to the wall or whatever. But prayer, just think about it. For me, it's been a fascinating thing. It's a um, marvelous thing. When you just think about the whole concept that I, a natural man, can come into the presence of a supernatural being that he hears me and I can hear him. I mean, that's, that's an amazing thing. And, uh, in, uh, and that's what prayer really is, being in his presence. So I assume since um, you're a pastor, you know, you've pastored for all these years, that it's just always been like that. Prayer has always been just super easy. It's been natural. You've always had that intimacy that you described. Um, is that true, or was there growth, and what was some of that growth process like? Well, that's not true, and uh, um, it has always been growth. And uh, if our life isn't growing, we need to take uh, some really good inventory and ask ourselves why not. And in prayer, that is true as well. I mentioned in our Wednesday night prayer group this week that when you look at your prayer life, has it changed? Has it grown? Hopefully, as a believer, and I, and I realize that many of you don't know me here, and uh, some of you just know who I am, maybe. But the, when you look at your prayer life, it ought to be a growing experience, just like the Scripture. When I became a Christian, I didn't know any Scripture. And so I began to study the Word of God. And I can look back and say, well, I've grown in my knowledge of Scripture. Well, God has given us two avenues, really, to talk to him by his Spirit. And that is, he speaks to us through his Spirit in the Word of God. And that we have the privilege in prayer to speak back and talk back to him. Hopefully, that if you've been a Christian any period of time at all, you can say, well, I know more Scripture. I know where things are. I know uh, more Scripture than I knew in the past. But can we say that about our prayer life? Can we say that my prayers are different today or what I understand about prayer or how I pray is it different today than it was in the past? So you asked me a question about how it has gone for me. When I first became a, a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, I was almost 25 years of age. And um, I had grown up in a religious home. I learned very formal prayers. And we would say them over and over and over and over again, those formal prayers. When I became a follower of Christ, I started to hear people pray more, as you might say, from their heart, just start talking to God about things and bringing their requests to things, and it wasn't the formal prayers. And so I heard them do that because I became a follower of Christ, and I thought, well, I'm going to start going to prayer meeting, which was really kind of strange for me. And uh, to go in and we'd hear a little message on prayer, and then we would spend time praying. And through hearing other people pray, I, that was the first step, I started to learn how to pray. And it's so important that we have community of prayer, that we learn that from one another. 
and how to speak to God, how to approach God. And so that was the first thing that I learned along the way. Now I want to tell you a couple things, though, as I grew real quickly, because we don't have a lot of time, but as I grew, and I was thinking about this after the service this morning, that I wanted to spend more time with God, and I was challenged. And all I really knew about prayer, though, was petition. Petition. And so um, I actually, there, I went through a period of time where I timed myself how much time I spent in prayer. Because I did not want my prayer life to be five minutes. I didn't want it to be 10 minutes. And so I used to watch and look how long I spent in prayer. I really did that. Because I knew that it was important to pray. But then I started to um, understand more about prayer through reading what those who knew how to pray and what they wrote and started to study, in a sense, prayer. And through that, I began to grow and I learned things like adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, and uh, how important it is that it's just not asking God and uh, giving thanks and adoring him. And, um, and the other thing is, that sometimes I don't think we preach enough in our evangelical churches, is that confession, that to look at life, where have I failed, agree with God in it, and confess it to him. And that's how I grow. Yeah. You mentioned petition, and I think we've probably all been there where we're like, all right, I'm going to spend some serious time praying now, and I'm going to go through my list of, I'm going to pray for my family and my job and my community, and we like go through our list, and it's like two minutes later, and we're like, all right, now what? Like, what do we do? I'm done with my prayer. And, and you, you're mentioning confession, you're making, mentioning adoration, praise. Can you speak a little bit to that of, of how, how would someone who whose primary prayer is petition, which is great and important, add some of this confession? Like, how, how do you practically confess, or how do you practically adore or praise God? Well, I think um, there's a difference between praising and adoring. And just think about your life. When you praise somebody, it's for what they're doing and all those kind of things. But when you adore somebody, you love them. And uh, there's, a, there's that emotional, intimate experience with it and when we pray do we have affection towards God and do we feel this love for God in our prayer life or is it just a, we just go through this list you see and to do that takes takes both listening and speaking to him stop Listen, and I remember years ago hearing John Maxwell, we were in a seminar, and he said, just sit there for a few minutes and think about that God loves you. And make that personal. God loves me. And to think about that. And then the other side of that is that I love God. And become more intimate in that relationship with God without asking him anything. That's adoration. Sharing that intimacy with him. And so, um, so often we give thanks to God for what he has done in our life. We praise him 
for his mighty powers and the things that he does, but we also need just to love him and let him love you. So after many years in ministry, many years of following Jesus, many years of prayer, I'm sure you have God completely figured out, right? And you know all the, the different parts of God's character and nature and love. Um, so, of course, I'm saying this sarcastically with, you know, tongue-in-cheek here. Is this... You, you certainly are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but why, do we, why do we continue to go back in prayer? Why do we continue to go to him, not just asking for things, but, but what's that heart, that why you keep seeking God? Well, I want to be more like him. And that's the whole thing is that's what discipleship is. I want to become more like him. I want to follow him. I want to be enriched in my life towards him. I want, want to become less of me, more like him. And prayer is where we were reminded of who he is. And he reminds us of what we're in confession, where we have failed, and uh, where we can be in him. And so um, we should be going back to him and in it's just like you mentioned earlier in the first service about your relationship with Joanna, how it is a growing relationship. And that's how it ought to be with God. Am I growing in him? And so I, I, it, we have to look at our relationship. And is my prayer life stagnant or is it living? And we are called to be, and God offers us living water, fresh water. Is my prayer life fresh? Is it growing? Is it, is it a living thing? Or is it just that same old stagnant thing that I do because I have to do it and I should do it and I'm supposed to do it? Or is it something that I want to love doing and growing in him? Yeah, your description and what we, you referenced to about marriage is that um, by no means do I have Joanna figured out, um, and by no means does she have me figured out. It's, and, and if you're married, you do not have your spouse figured out. You should be pursuing, continuing to dive into the mystery of that other person, uh, because it's when we stop pursuing that it becomes stale and stagnant, and it's like, no, oh, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Um, there's that growth that has to happen. And, and there's moments in marriage where it's like, oh, man, I've just been letting it sit, and, and I need to invest more in that realization. And so what are some, um, some practical um, helps for you? And maybe that's um, something from Scripture or um, some ways that you've furthered your growth through something you've read. Um, what are some things that have really just helped accelerate you along the path? Well, first of all, the Bible says without a vision, the people perish, okay? And so our prayer life, when it isn't growing, is because we don't have any vision for growth. We don't know how, what, what I should be doing, and so I have to have, somebody's got to give me a vision, or for some place, I've got to get a vision. And so a couple of things that I have done over the years going way back is began to read some of the things that people wrote about prayer because who was going to teach me? Well, how am I going to learn? And so I began to read some of the more of the church fathers things and some of the things, and some of it was very academic, others was practical, and uh, so that's really the good stuff where you can put it into practice and you start practicing these things. 
And so you grow in anything. I don't care if it's sports. I want to be a, a good basketball player. Well, you go out and you start practicing. And the same thing with prayer. You got to practice it. You got to put it into practice. And if I'm always doing the same thing over and over and over, and it's only petition, 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 I'm not going to learn anything different. But if I want to grow in Christ, I will learn to grow in Christ. So you asked me, what are some of the things? Well, I mentioned learning to, to take the word acts and make sure that I'm including those in my prayer life, not just asking God things. Um, and I read a book many years ago. It's a small book. I recommend it. And it was, it's a very old book. It's only 90-some pages long, and it's practicing the presence of God. And that's what I started out saying, that prayer is really coming into the presence of God. And uh, I, if you get that book, Brother Lawrence wrote it, or it's about Brother Lawrence and some of his writings. I shouldn't say he wrote it. But it's about Brother Lawrence and some of the letters he wrote and stuff because he learned to, whatever, wherever he was, whether it was in the closet praying or if it was washing the dishes or it was weeding the garden, that he did it out of love for God. And that, that word love implies intimacy with it, that God is on his mind. That's who he's doing it for. One of my life verses is Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. Well, that, that, that word heartily means with my whole being, my soul, is what it really is saying. With my soul, with my heart, I do this for God. And so my mind then is fixed on him. And in that fixing, I learn affection for him. And that's, that's a loving relationship an affectionate relationship with God. And it's not just a cold thing, a hard thing that I do. It's, it's a personal thing. So. so when do you pray? When do I pray? Well, I set aside a time every day. One of the first things that I do in the morning, and often it's the very first thing that I do, is I get up and I read a psalm. And I have, if you were to, or if I had opened my Bible, you would see where I just write down every day what psalm I wrote. I just write down one, two, three, four, so I don't lose my place. Because they, the, the psalms are a prayer book. And so that's one of the first things that I do. I read it. Then I go back and I kind of meditate on some of the verses in those psalms because they draw me into God. They draw me to think about some of the things that David and the writers wrote. It's a beautiful thing. So I try to have a, a, a closet time where I read scripture. I might read something that causes me to meditate and to think and then also read a psalm every day. But during the day, what I'm still struggling with and what I still try to do is to do what Brother Lawrence did, and that's his presence. And, and so we get distracted by life and all those things. But if we say, even in, as I start that, Lord, I'm doing this for you. Lord, help me to do this. I'm thinking about him. My mind is on him. And that's important to do. And then when you pillow your head at night, just take a moment or two and thank him for the day. So it's bringing him into our life because what we do is we segment our life.
and we uh, say, well, I had my quiet time, I had my prayer time, I don't think about God the rest of the day. And it shouldn't be that way. That's not what God wants. He wants us to, he wants to be a part of our whole day in every way. So we see the importance of prayer throughout Scripture, whether it's looking back in the Old Testament of um, many different types of prayer and times of prayer, uh, to Paul praying for the churches where he starts with adoration, starts with praise, and then he goes to his request. We see Jesus praying many times. Um, in light of what we've just walked through in the last five weeks with our praise series on the Lord's Prayer, uh, what does the Lord's Prayer meant to you and, and mean to you when it comes to prayer? I've prayed the Lord's Prayer my entire life because when I was a child, we prayed the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we pray, and when I became a Christian, we pray the Lord's Prayer. We pray the Lord's Prayer in public. We pray it at events. We, we pray it to come into community. But it has become more than that. It is something very personal. Because if you think about the very opening of the Lord's Prayer, when it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, that's what I want in my life. I want God's will to be done. I want his kingdom to come through me. We can pray that as a church, but how does the church let that happen? It happens through its individuals who share the kingdom. It happens as individuals submit their lives to the will of God. It is what we just read in the scripture, what Jesus did in the garden. Thy will, thy will, Lord, this is what I want. And I want your kingdom to go forward in my life. And so we can easily, sometimes when I, it, it bothers me, when we think of the church, we think of the pastor, or we think of other people, but it's me. I'm the church. I'm the person who should be doing that. And in the Lord's Prayer, what we focus on most often is, Lord, I want my daily bread. I want my needs. That's only a segment. And Jesus gave us this prayer not to pray out loud. He gave it to us, and if you read the scripture, as a model for us to pray. And to make it as a model, we make it personal in our life. And so I use the Lord's Prayer all the time in my prayer life. I don't say the words, I use it as a model to pray. And so even what we heard last week, just thinking, walking through my day, deliver me from evil, from temptation, and uh, as I go through the day. So it's a good thing for us to pray. And Jesus thought it was so important that he put it in this prayer when his disciples asked him to teach us to pray. And he's still willing to teach us. So in uh, a few minutes, we're all going to walk out of here. And we're going to return to life, the demands, the needs, uh, family, whatever it may be. What is, a, what is a practical encouragement or challenge that we can all walk away with? Or what's a... What's a big thing that you would, would send us with here today in light of prayer? Well, enlarge your prayer life and take the challenge. Where, look, evaluate where you're at. Ask yourself, have I grown in it or do I even pray? And start to take steps 
because God desires it. He wants that relationship with you. And uh, set yourself some goals. And that's how you grow. And to get there, move on and move on. And start to know the joy of the Lord in your prayer. And I mentioned this morning that even knowing God, thinking about the fruits of the Spirit. If you don't know them, look them up in Galatians 5.22. But the fruits of the Spirit it tells us that God is the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Just think about that love. As I mentioned, he loves me. I love him. And then out of love, when you're in a loving relationship, what flows out? Joy. Think about the joy of the Lord and experience it, not just know about it. And, and go right on through those lists. And joy brings peace. And that's a beauty of his presence is his peace that he brings upon us in the anguish of life. He gives it that. And so just, I guess the word is grow. Don't be stagnant. Grow. And I didn't share this this morning, but I really feel that in the church, God said something to me about 10 years ago. And uh, I've been praying most of my life for revival in the church. And I remember kneeling right here. One of those times probably John was wanting to get into the sanctuary. But kneeling right here and just saying to God, what, what is it? What is it? What is it that we need? And there's been a few times in my life where I have felt the Holy Spirit definitely speak to me. What does the church need to do, Lord? What is it? And he says, the church needs to learn to pray. We need prayer in the church, drawing into him. And uh, I have never forgotten that. And I believe it's true that we need to become praying people and praying in closets and praying in community with others as well, because that strengthens the body. So that's what the, when, what did the disciples do? They went up, a hundred of them in a room and prayed. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. And we find that in the book of Acts, that they prayed together, as well as I'm sure they prayed when they were apart. So grow in your prayer life. Excellent word there, that growth. And you said something, too, in that in the midst of that is to know the joy of the Lord in prayer. And that's where a lot of people can get tripped up is that there's not joy. It's it's just it's, it's like it's work. Right. Right. And knowing that joy and you speak of, I think hopefully we've we've heard together is that joy, that intimacy, that that love, the, the relationship that is very different what you described than work. And that's just part of that growth process. So really thankful for the words you had to share here. And, and I'm not letting you go quick. You're grabbing your stuff to get off this, the, the platform here. Um, so a while back, a number of years ago, I interviewed Pastor, and I threw some rapid-fire questions at him that he wasn't expecting. And I did that in first service. So I'm throwing a couple other rapid-fire questions that have nothing to do with what we just talked about, just because it's fun and I like putting Pastor on the spot. I have that opportunity now. And so, uh, so I'm going to throw some questions so you can get to know him a little bit better. Some of these, you're going to be like, why are you asking this question? And I'm like, it really doesn't matter. Um, so this first deep question I have for you is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? See, important, deep questions here. Probably um, 
I like coffee ice cream, but I also like mint chocolate chip. Mm. Give some applause there, John. He's giving some love. <laughs> Carla's got some love. All right. Um, oh, here we go. Maybe, maybe you did this in Florida. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? <laughs> I can honestly say never have I worn socks with sandals. <laughs> Time of confession. How many of you worn socks with sandals? Look at the hands. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I have never done it. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Um, let's see here. Big dogs or small dogs? Or no dogs? Did I hear no dogs? <laughs> well, I've had a couple favorite dogs in my life. One was a beagle. Oh, I've had a couple beagles. I love that dog. And then we had a bigger dog, um, a golden retriever, which was probably Pam and I's favorite dog because she was just a gentle, gentle dog, and uh, we loved her deeply. Mm. So it's kind of hard to say between the two. Mm. Yeah. If you could travel anywhere, else, anywhere in the world, where would you want to travel to? Not worrying about cost or, or anything at all? That's a question for Pam, because she's always the one who wants to travel someplace or go someplace. I'm kind of content, you know? Where do you so, want to go, Pam? Alaska. Good choice. There you go. Get some cheers there. All right. Um, which animal adds more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? Well, that, that depends if you like nuts or you want to be spit on. <laughs> No answer. All right. <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, one last one. Let's see if there's one that's here. Um, nah, well, there's a lot of animal questions here. Uh, let's just do with one last animal question. Would you rather come face to face with a miniature hippopotamus or a giant cockroach? And, and they're both mad. A hippo is a very dangerous, one of the most dangerous animals on the face of the earth. And uh, if you don't know, you've never been to Africa, you might not know that, but you don't want to get involved with a hippo. And uh, so um, I would face the cockroach before the, the hippo. <laughs> Brave man. All right, let's give Pastor a round of applause. <laughs>